This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Mother Knows Death, starring Nicole and Jemmy and Maria QK. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Mother Knows Death. Let's get started with the story of the week. So we have some tragic news coming out of Kansas City. On Sunday, the Chiefs won the Super Bowl. It's their third victory in only a few years, which has been a huge deal to this area. So yesterday they had the victory parade for winning the Super Bowl, which most cities have when the Eagles won a few years ago. Uh, Me and my husband went. It was a really big deal and really fun. So I think a lot of people go to these parades just joyous to celebrate their city's victory and just have a good time and relax. But unfortunately, at the end of the parade, there was a bunch of gunshots and it was pretty unclear until recently that everybody thought it was a targeted mass shooting. The police department's pretty confident that it was an altercation gone wrong between three people. Two juveniles and one adult have are in custody now for the altercation. Um, as a result of this shooting, One woman is dead, 22 are injured, most of them being children. The children are are expected to recover, but it's just really sad that such an awesome day for people just had to end in tragedy and just being scared. I know, it sucks. Like, remember when the Phillies were winning, like when they were in the World Series and stuff, it's just, there's this whole entire vibe in the city that everybody's just like really excited and come together for their team doing well, and we... Maria and I were just talking about this right before we heard the news of this shooting that if the Phillies won and they had the World Series parade, I said I wouldn't go because I don't want to be in a crowd of people like that. It's just too scary for me. And what happens a couple hours later, you hear the worst thing ever happened. And it's it's a, a woman who's exactly my age with little kids and um, or she has two kids. I don't know if they're little, but Uh, innocent kids getting shot like you go to you go to a parade and these people just decided to get in a fight and start randomly shooting at each other in a crowd like what assholes yeah and it's it's really scary so I don't know if you watched the video somebody would just happen to be taking a video of the parade when the gunshots went off and what was a huge red flag to me is a lot of people don't seem concerned And I don't think you should panic and trample somebody, but there are just some people walking around like, la-di-da, nothing's going on. It it was a parade. They probably thought it was fireworks or something. Yeah, I I just don't know. I mean, people were screaming that you could see some people bloody on the ground. These these awesome awesome people tackled one of the gunmen. Oh yeah, Hus- husband video. and wife tag team. I I thought it's like the the best story of it all. Uh, my husband was like, yeah. they should definitely get season tickets for the football season next oh, year. A hundred percent. Yeah, I mean that's that's kind of ballsy to attack somebody that's got a gun in their hand like that and just just risk your own life to do do that. And honestly, at that point, he probably saved numerous lives because. That guy, whoever was shooting, was clearly just not even thinking that there were other people in the crossfire. No, and they didn't. And 
I I think that those people are true true heroes. I I can't imagine being in that situation. I think a lot of people immediately go into shock and don't know what to do. Um, I think it's really cool, and you see the video. I mean, they take that guy down. <laughs> like, yeah, it's it, it's really it's, it is. Really it makes cool. you it it just like restores your faith in humanity. You know. Yeah. And those people were so awesome. I saw them getting interviewed on the news, and I just was like, these people are decent people, and. It just yeah. shows you that no matter where you're at, you just always have to be paying attention to what's going on around you. And this situation's a little bit different because it doesn't appear that these people were just went there with the intentions to just start killing a bunch of people. But regardless of what their intentions were, this is what happened. A, a bunch. I mean, think about going there with your with your kid and then ending up in the hospital overnight. Not to mention just the emotional damage that everybody. It, that was there experienced it's just so it's so messed up and you just hear more and more about people that were witnesses to mass shootings and it's just it's just like such a fear of mine i i can't even think about it no it's it's really scary and makes you not want to go out in public which is obviously not a healthy way to live your life but it's it's really unfortunate that this day that was supposed to be really fun for everybody in that area just celebrating their city feeling good community had to be had to end in this tragedy and you know if they win in years to come people might not feel comfortable going out there and it's just really sad okay let's get on to celebrity news okay so for those who are unfamiliar with Jeffrey Epstein, I don't know who would be at this point because his name's always been in the news. But Is he really? I didn't know what section to put this under because I don't know if I would really consider him to be a celebrity. But I guess he was he was in the circle with all the celebrities, right? Yeah, I wouldn't particularly consider him a celebrity, but I do think we're right in category categorizing him as such just because he's a familiar household, not a household thing. <laughs> No, he is you know a, I mean. he is a household name, not a not in a good know. way. For those that don't know who he is, he's a disgusting pig convicted sex offender. So last week when we were talking about Patrick Mahomes' dad again, an incident out of Kansas City, um we talked about that they let him serve one of his DUI sentences over the weekends and I I don't know if I said this on the episode but I was thinking in my mind I know somebody else that did this and I couldn't remember until a few days later only to realize that that was Jeffrey Epstein. So in 2008 he had been convicted of um procuring a child for prostitution and soliciting a prostitute. He had a very controversial plea deal because basically when he was serving out his sentence, they let him leave six days a week for 12 hours a day to, quote, work. So nice. people were really not into that. Um, in the meantime, so he gets out of jail. And after that point in 2008, he starts building more friendships with socialite celebrities. He starts his friendship with Jelaine Maxwell for anybody unfamiliar with her. She's his accomplice in all of this. Um, so he starts building this network of people. A lot of celebrities have come forward and been like, I had no idea who he was. I just got invited to this rich guy's house for dinner. And I was like, why not? And then they're in photographs with him and it immediately makes them look guilty. So not shockingly, in 2019, he was indicted again on, um, sex trafficking charges related to underage girls, which just opened this whole Pandora's box. He owned a private island. He was bringing people there. 
on the plain ledger, there was notable names like Bill Clinton, Stephen Hawking. I'm sure you heard me bring up the Stephen Hawking thing recently. Um, all this really disgusting stuff. So he finally gets arrested in 2019. And he, while he's awaiting trial in jail, on August 10th, 2019, he's found dead in his jail cell. His death is so controversial because he had been on suicide watch and guards were supposed to be monitoring him 24-7 and all this stuff. So all of a sudden, he shows up dead. They find the the jail wasn't doing the proper protocol. I think they their their cameras a, the cameras were broke, right? Yeah, or the so, cameras were, were off in yeah. like a two hour window. Um, and then they ended up ruling his death a suicide, which people are really not buying because they thought if he was to go to trial, he was going to start naming names, and some of them were some names people were really not going to be okay with. <laughs> so there, are, there was this meme floating around that was awesome years ago and it and it said like it, Jeffrey Epstein's last visitor and it was a picture of like Hillary Clinton like dressed as the Unabomber with like sunglasses on like hidden it was so great oh but, my god but anyway yeah so so what happened was the medical examiner in New York had ruled it a suicide and based upon how they found him he had a ligature around his neck that was a sh- I think it was a bed sheet or something like that and so other uh, there's been other autopsies or I don't know if another autopsy was actually done or just analysis of the autopsy report and looking at the photographs of the ligature mark and, and the way that his body was found. And they seem to think that, no, the way that he died wasn't really suicide, but it was homicide for a few reasons. If you do a homicidal strangulation, the mark around the neck is more horizontal Whereas there's almost like a V shape if somebody hangs themselves. And he had more of a horizontal mark around his neck. Furthermore, his hyoid bone was broken. And that more commonly occurs in homicidal stranglings. But it can happen when someone hangs themselves too. So it, it could go, it can happen, but it's just not as common. So there's just a lot of things that are being brought up. The ligature mark was very thin that looked more like rope or wire like as opposed to something that should be thicker if it was a sheet or something so it also just the the liver mortis pattern on his body appears that he may have been moved into the position that he was in again these could all be conspiracy theories and you don't want to say anything because i didn't actually do the autopsy myself and i haven't even seen these new photographs i guess his brother was on some talk show oh, i got them for oh you. good well then they'll be in the gross room and we'll talk yeah. about it for sure um because i am really curious to see because they had released a couple years ago when this case was was active and stuff so i really like to look at it and then i'll show in the post that i write about this maybe we'll do this as like a, a high profile that de- or celebrity death dissection whatever we decide to call it but show you what it looks like when someone's manually strangled as opposed to hangs themselves as suicide and what you would see the different autopsies. And then you guys could just come to your own conclusions about what you think happened. But the whole thing surrounding it is just so shady. I mean, how do you have this most high profile person not being monitored and then the camera's not working? Like, come on, dude. Yeah, I mean, it's all over the place. Like, everybody's going to have their own conclusion with it but basically then Jelaine went to jail um they were supposed to release the names of all these alleged yeah the black book of all the co-conspirators 
and they did, which is how we discovered Stephen Hawking, which was truly the most shocking to me. Um, but there's still names redacted. So what's going on? I, there, this is all over the place. I, I don't so. know. It just like it, it. Why does anybody trust the government anymore anyway? Like, why are we <laughs> even talking about this? Of course, there's something shady. All right. So let's get on to the next story. I actually cut this story last week because I just thought we had better things to talk about. And I I just I'm tired of talking about these people. But I now I want to talk about it. So go on and say what we're what story this is. About a month ago, Kanye West got $850,000 titanium teeth, which was modeled after a James Bond spy. So think about this, modeled after a fictional movie character. So he originally said that he got all of his teeth removed, and this wasn't a new thing he was claiming. In 2010, he was on Ellen DeGeneres' show and said he had all of his bottom teeth removed and replaced with diamonds, and that wasn't true. And his dentist that performed this procedure, which... Who the hell is performing procedures of this nature? Also said that this is not true. His teeth are, in fact, underneath. So he looks absolutely ridiculous. I don't know what is going on. But basically, he posted a, a video walking through an airport defending posting pictures of his wife. And he has this growth in the <laughs> middle of his lip. And everybody's like, bro, what what is going on here? <laughs> So that's why I'm so pissed that I didn't talk about this last week, because the first thing I was going to say was having that much titanium in your mouth, right? I mean, it is a metal that doesn't cause as many allergies as other metals do, but it totally can cause allergies. And you should really allergy test somebody before you put that big of a, an amount of it in someone's mouth. And I... I when I look at that, so they, I guess it was um, page six had interviewed some celebrity dentist that said, oh, there's nothing to worry about. It's just like his lip is protruding and this, that and the other. And I'm like, no, you asshole. This is a freaking allergic reaction. It looks like a vesicle, like a, like a blister type thing that you would get from an allergic reaction. And you can get titanium allergy as symptoms like are like normal allergy symptoms, but you could get a rash, hives. And you could also get hyperplastic lesions on the face, which is exactly what that looks like. Well, some of his fans have come forth and said that he's had that before, but it's not in every picture of him. It, so I, I don't know if it was a Photoshop thing or if it's a common reaction site or if that's even a possibility. You Have you ever, you know that we get like itchy throat from eating some things if I eat like cantaloupe, for example, I get like a hive on my lip. It, that's what it looks like. It just looks yeah. like there's there's something going on there. So I don't think it's just a protrusion because he got some kind of bridge put in his mouth. It's just and and anyway, it's just ugly. So why why even have it? It's the whole thing is just so dumb. But it now it it went from being ugly to being gross. You don't want to have like lesions on your lips. It's not oh, attractive. How is he caring for his teeth underneath of it? I don't. It's, I feel like his breath must smell so horrible. Well, I don't, something about no, it skews me out. I think if it's similar to, I I don't even understand the process. But if it's similar to veneers or something, it's like yeah. putting a fake nail on your teeth, kind of thing. Um, I I don't know what it is. At first, the first time I saw it, I was like, yeah, right. This guy's just putting a piece of tin foil on his teeth and like telling everybody it's. I I don't know. It's. I, I don't know what motivates these people, but let's get on to freak accidents because we have some really interesting stories coming up this week. 
Are you ready for this plane story? Yes, please. Okay, so there was this Delta flight that was going from Detroit to Amsterdam, which is about a, an eight-hour flight. Two hours in, maggots started falling from the overhead bin onto passengers. Like, what? Can, I just can't wrap my brain around this. Like, you're just sitting there and just maggots start falling on your lap, right? Yeah, so obviously people are like, what the <laughs> hell is going on? Turns out the insects were coming from a passenger's carry-on bag that contained rotten fish. How did this person get through security? I, I don't know. I just... It, at first, I think, like, visually, it's like a, a rotted fish with the bones and everything. And I, I'm assuming if that went through the x-ray machine, somebody would have seen that. Maybe it just was somebody had their old lunch in a bag that they forgot about. And I, I don't know, because it would have a lid on it, right? I don't know why there would be fish in a bag without a lid. And how did it not smell? Oh, I'm sure it smelled terribly. I don't, I don't know. Like, that's what I would have thought. You would have smelled something before before the maggots. The whole story is just so crazy to me. It- well, the best part is they had to turn around when they were over the UK. So they were two hours in, then had to fly two hours back. And when they landed, they took the bag off of the plane and burned it. It, the, the whole thing is is nuts. Like they they had said, th- so this was a quote from the story. It said, we apologize to the customers as their trip was interrupted due to an improperly packed carry-on bag. Like improperly packed? Is there a proper like, way to pack d- a dead rotten fish? I don't know. Yes, improperly packed, but also improperly searched. Yes, so- exactly. <laughs> you are not gaslighting everybody saying like oh we did our job you clearly didn't do your job or this would have never exactly so basically delta said the plane was thoroughly cleaned and passengers were rebooked for the next available flight to detroit so what a mess what an absolute mess just be since i've worked on legs that have had maggots and dead bodies that have had maggots i know that as soon as i see them and i'm touching them actively or they're anywhere near me i just get this feeling under my skin that i have to go home and take a shower right away it's just some weird thing that you just feel like there's one on you somehow if something was falling from the overhead wouldn't you just be scared that it fell in your hair or something i would just want to go right to the hotel and just scrub the shit out of my hair and like get a fine tooth comb and comb it out i would just be terrified i think i'd throw up i don't even know what you would do yeah I, but I'm, i don't feel throw uppy i just feel like Ugh. <laughs> so that's only one of three of our gross plane stories today so yeah there's our, our second one is um Last week, a private jet was carrying five people, and they left the Ohio State University airport. It ran a toll flight, and then it was only mere minutes away from landing at its destination at the Naples airport in Florida when um, the pilot called in the air traffic control and said their two engines were malfunctioning and they weren't going to make it to the airport, so they were going to make an emergency landing on the interstate. So they make this emergency landing on the interstate, hit a car, and then an explosion happens, the pilot dies, the co-captain dies. Absolutely horrific. But the three other people on the plane ended up getting out safely, and so did the guy driving the car that they hit. All right, so my question is, because I don't know anything about this world of people that have private planes and everything, when when your plane is about to go down, I can't imagine that the first 
rule is like try to find the nearest highway and land on it. Is that is that the case? Because I think it's incredibly selfish, actually, that that you would do that. We drive on whenever we go to Florida, we drive on this road. It's right near my father-in-law's house. And he still lives there, obviously. It's just weird to think. I didn't even know that was an option that that planes might be landing on the highway. And they that could have been a lot worse for real. Like they could have killed people in cars just innocently driving up the road. I feel like if you're flying a private plane and your shit's about to go down, don't try don't take more people down with you, right? Yeah, I would assume the first options are water or an open field, right? But a, tr- a highway maybe with it was cars just going down Maybe it was just going down so fast that's just where it happened to go. I I would love for anybody with flying experience to let us know what the protocol is because I agree with you. It just doesn't seem right. Yeah, I think one of the sons says, quote, we know our father died a hero doing the best he could to save everyone he could on the plane. Well, nice for the people on the plane, but what about the people on the highway? I, yeah, exactly. I don't know. And they're very lucky nobody got yeah. killed on the highway. I know. So... I don't know. A- anybody that's familiar with this protocol, please write in and let us know because I'm very curious about yeah, it as me well. Me too. All right. This um this case comes out of, where was it? Spain? Spain. A little early for amusement accidents. This is usually our recurring theme in the summer. So in Spain at a amusement park called Port Adventura World, um, due to, quote, strong winds, a tree blew over onto the tracks of a children's roller coaster which caused a bunch of kids to get hurt. 14 people were injured. Two of them were taken to the hospital with serious injuries. Um, They said some of the branches hit visitors on the ride. My question is, why are trees so close to the ride? I don't know, but the the article actually said two people were in critical condition. That's That's horrible. It is horrible, and I don't know if it was children or whatever, but yeah, I I mean... (laughs) I don't know. It's the first I'm hearing of this. You expect that maybe you, I guess you could get hurt on the ride from a malfunction with the ride. But I guess if the, if the roller coaster is in the middle of some kind of forest or I I feel like there's certain things that we go to that you see trees around, I guess they take that into consideration, right? I, yeah, I, I was thinking about it and I've definitely been to parks where they have tracks go through like a little patch of woods, like you just said. Um, I just now I'm thinking that must be a huge liability because you just have naturally sticks just fall and branches fall and unless people are just really on top of it, things like this could happen. Maybe so. maybe there's they check to see if there's enough clearance that if the tree fell, it wouldn't fall on the tracks or something. I'm not I'm there's probably some kind of regulations for what's next to the tracks that could fall but i guess it's just a a freak thing that happened that's why we're in freak accidents right yeah this episode is brought to you by the gross room and guess what for the next week it is still going to be on sale tell everybody what they get with the sale well, you get a whole entire year of gross. That is 365 days for only $20, and it's such a deal. I'm going to tell you about the typical week in the gross room. So on Mondays or Tuesdays, depending on how much information Maria and I need to research, we do either a celebrity death dissection or a high-profile gro- death dissection. So 
For example, we're going to talk about the Jeffrey Epstein case, and we're going to talk all about what they saw on the autopsy, according to the report, and what the photos show and if they match up. And a lot of times there's a little bit of discrepancy. So we cover all celebrity deaths, all high profile deaths. We have probably close to 200 of them now. Big article, lots of videos, pictures. And so that's how we start off the week. And then on Wednesday, we do What Is It Wednesday? And that's a game where you look at three different wounds and you have to decide if they're what caused the wound. So if it looks like it was a stab, was it from a knife? Was it from a serrated knife? Was it from a screwdriver? You have to try to guess. And it's a fun little game that we play, but also we learn. So I could see that the people that are playing every week are getting better and better. So I have to keep finding more challenging cases. But when we play What Is It Wednesday, we also do, a. I throw in like a fake special effects photo and people have to guess if it's a real wound or a fake wound. And some of them are so good that you you almost can't even tell if they're real or they're fake. So it's it's fun. And then we we win prizes. And then the rest of the week, we just fill it in with lots of different stuff. We pay attention to things that are going on in the news, of course, and just different cases, freak deaths, freak accidents, freak homicides, suicides, all those types of things. And we have a couple gr- guest writers. So Maria is a guest writer in the gross room. Our friend Michelle Poe is a writer in the gross room. And now my mom has just joined too. So it's so we get to get a little bit of a perspective from lots of different people, not just me. And it's just really fun. We pl- we were a great group of people and just we write comments to each other. Everybody's really nice. There's no trolling like on Instagram. So I think you'll like it. Yeah, so if you join actually before Leap Day, you'll get 366 days Whoa. In, the, <laughs> in the introductory price. So you'll get one more day than the normal year membership. So if you go to thegrossroom.com right now until next Friday, you can join for $20 for the first year. So join us. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Okay, Ree, let's get started with violent crime. This one's completely unbelievable, also out of Kansas City. What is going on over there? So this mother claimed she was putting her one-month-old baby in her crib for a nap, but accidentally put her in the oven. And, and turned it on and cooked turned her to it death. On and cooked her to death. So the child's grandfather returned home to smelling smoke and then found the grandchild deceased in her crib. When the police got there... The child was found, quote, in the living room lying in a car seat just inside of the front door, had sustained apparent thermal injuries on various parts of her body. So can you explain that for everyone? Yeah, I mean, she she was cooked to death. She was put in an oven that was really hot and she had thermal burns, they said, all over her, which is what you would see on a piece of meat that you put on a barbecue grill or something. And she died of hyperthermia. It's it's ter- it's terrible. Um, One month old baby. I 
I don't even understand how you could accidentally think that an oven is a crib, but on top of that, you accidentally put the baby in the oven and then accidentally turned it on. I mean, I I don't know. that There is... There is a lot more to the story, obviously, with something like this. Apparently, the mom's friend was interviewed and said that she had been dealing with mental health issues and was actually on medication. And then when she found out she was pregnant, they suggested she stop taking her medication and she was supposed to start taking it as soon as she gave birth. And then she told her friend that she wasn't going to take it. And clearly I think that this has something to do just because the baby's only one month old like maybe it has to do with postpartum depression or something it seemed as if the mom by all accounts on her social media was really excited to have a baby and wanted to have this baby so I I can't imagine any person in in their right mind would intentionally put their baby in an oven like that yeah it's really sad but I guess we'll find out over time what happens, but the mother has, she's facing a class A felony of endangering the welfare of a child and death of a child. So this is definitely really sad as a new mother struggling with, clearly struggling with a mental health situation and just maybe not having the proper help she needed because it doesn't even seem like medication would be enough to prevent something of this nature. We've just been hearing such crazy stories this year of people who are, are, killing their children after shortly after having a a child and this postpartum psychosis is a real thing and it's just it's it's really scary not that I'm diagnosing her with that it's it's there's a potential that she just like didn't want the kid anymore I don't know and I'm sure they'll do like lots of see what she was searching on the internet prior to it happening but she lived at home with her parents and her dad said that she that she seemed fine before he left the house so how how does something like that happen? And then just imagine being the grandparent and finding your little grandbaby like that. It's just so sad. No, it's horrible. And speaking of horrible, this next story is so absolutely disturbing. So uh, this is out of New Hampshire. This father is on trial for beating his five-year-old daughter to death and then living with her decomposed body for months before carelessly discarding her when he was over it. So apparently this guy was... This guy is like the epitome of of scumbag. I would love to beat the shit out of this dude. When I see his face, I just want to punch him but for doing yeah. this. This little kid is so cute. And, and you look at her and you just think like, how could anybody possibly want to harm this kid? And I guess she was peeing in the back seat of his car and all of this stuff. Which was also their home. Well, exactly. And it, the kid's five, okay? So kids are in that weird age anyway where sometimes they might still have accidents. It's not entirely normal for a five-year-old to be wetting themselves, but also it's known that kids wet themselves when they're abused, right? So so it's kind of like a cycle that she may have been doing that just because she wasn't being treated well. Well, she wasn't being treated well and she was living in a totally abnormal environment. You can't be living in a car when you're five, really ever, but certainly when it, you're five exactly. years old. And so- he he beats the crap out of her and just leaves her for dead in the back seat of the car and then didn't the wife was there the whole time yeah so he had a he currently has an estranged wife but she's the one coming forward with all these details saying that he would beat the daughter if she had an accident and then he beat her so badly one time and they just went out to dinner and 
seemed like they were drug addicts and just totally ignored it while the kid was dying in the back seat. And when they like they said hours later, they realized she was dead in the back seat. Yeah. So then they put her in a tote bag in the trunk. I mean, this is really disturbing to hear this, but you guys need to hear this because it's 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 so just and and there's a really big reason why because a lot of people kind of missed big red flags here but she they he took the tote bag out of the trunk and put it in like a like a cooler that you would bring to the beach and then decided that he was going to saw her body down and put lye in it to break down her bones and everything so first he stuck it up inside of a, a ceiling vent and they have proof of that because there's blood and the smell of decomposition in the ceiling vent. But then he decided, since it started to smell and stuff, that he was going to take the bag with him to work every day. And he went to work at a restaurant as a cook and as a dishwasher and would put the bag in the freezer every day. And nobody thought that they thought it was weird, but nobody was like, what's in this friggin' bag, right? Yeah, like I'm thinking, I'm just thinking and knowing how restaurant industry is, like nobody was nosy enough to just be like, I'm just going to go I in there. I 100% would have went in there and been like, what's this motherfucker got in this bag right now, right? Yeah, exactly. I, I this, mean, this makes me so absolutely sick. So she went missing in 2019, but the police weren't made aware of this until 2021. Ugh, it's so gross. It, it's just so gross. And so let's say like that guy was going to work every day too. And what what's the name of the place? I wrote down the place. It was called Portland Pie Company. His, oh my God. His, th- there was a bag of a decomposing child in the freezer where food was being served. Like anybody listening, have you eaten there at the, at the, it's the former Portland Pie Company. I don't know why well, it's the, form- I would hope it would be closed. I, I don't know. Like, Obviously, it's not the restaurant's fault that this happened, but like, not a single person was like, "What is going on with this dude?" And what is in this tote bag? It's I I don't know because I I mean I've worked at, as a kid. I used to work at like Boston Market and stuff, right? I just think about being in that situation. If there was some guy that came in every day and was like, "Hey, I'm just gonna put my bag in the freezer," there's no way that people wouldn't be like, "Why?" Also, you're not supposed to have miscellaneous objects that are not food in the walk-in or the freezer. Like personal items. You just shouldn't do that. But yes, yeah, so but- that alone should have been a red flag to anybody working in the kitchen unless he was hiding it behind stuff and nobody no, saw it. No, they saw it but- because people were saying that they thought it was weird. And you're like, but you didn't. I, I, I just don't. I don't know. And that's why I think it's important to, to talk about stories like this because there's. There's like a normal person, right? You're working at a restaurant. You would never think that a guy that was bringing in his tote bag had his dead little kid caught up in there that was decomposing. But people do this stuff. And that's the action of putting the tote bag in the freezer. It should be a a red flag for everyone. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So I think like the saying, see something, say something isn't for nothing. We really should be enforcing that in every avenue of life. There's people now upon reflection are saying, yeah, it was weird. Well, if you thought it was weird, you should have looked into it. Yeah. And I don't I don't know if it's if somebody's doing something weird, if you necessarily have to call the cops and well, you don't have to call the cops, but you could take it upon yourself. I don't, to I don't know. Maybe people were like really did think that they knew something was bad in there and they just didn't want to look at it because could, could you fucking imagine like opening but for that for your bag? personal safety you should have been like g- going to management being like yo t- take care of this dude he's shady and <laughs> get, something get up. the manager to take care of it that's real nice yes that's their job 
All right, let's talk about another douchebag. This guy, I, I can't even believe that our legal system, like who goes to jail versus who doesn't, It's and, and the amount of times people serve. Tell them about this story. In March 2022, this pregnant woman claimed her husband started lecturing her about hydration and offering her water, which I want to preface by saying I'm in this situation almost daily and with our trip coming up soon to Denver, you know, Ricky's like up my ass. Like, you need to drink water. You need to drink water. You're going to get sick because of the altitude. And I'm like, all right, dude, I get it. Like, chill out. So I could very easily see myself. Being so we in should this we should expect that you're going to get poisoned on your relationship. Yeah. He's he's setting the tone right now for it. Exactly. Keep an eye out, Rickers. <laughs> I know you're listening. Um. So basically, she's saying after she drank the first glass of water he offered, she got really sick and she noticed the water was cloudy, but he played it off as the pipes were dirty. Oh, my so God. So here we go. So after this, she was refusing all of his offers, which she said was up to seven times he was trying to force her to drink something, he, a concoction he had made. And then later she found um, packaging for a drug in the trash called misoprostol. Is that right? Yeah. That's probably not correct at all. Which well, is it's a medication. My, my, misoprostol, but. Misoprostol, which is a medication used to induce abortions. This is absolutely disgusting behavior. She immediately set up secret cameras in their house. She caught him on video putting it in her drink and trying to offer it to her. So she gave that to the police. This was their third child. She did end up giving birth prematurely, 10 weeks prematurely. And um, yeah, the, she's saying that the baby has d developmental delays and it has to attend therapy eight times a week. So the wife is pretty disgusted that this guy has now only been sentenced to 180 days it's, it's unreal right it's 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 literally not even it's like half a year how is that even yeah. possible i don't know how it's possible and i have to agree with her that justice has not been served because if you're trying to go for example eye for an eye like the age of the person you have tried to kill versus whatever if you're trying to kill a baby, you're going to try to kill again. I'm sorry. It's just absolutely disgusting. If you don't want the kid, give up rights. It's, it's, I don't understand why people are just immediately go to like, I'm going to kill somebody. It's the same with affairs. If you don't want to be married, you don't need to kill your spouse. Just get divorced. You know, this is, this is why I'm thinking that he's getting, what state was this in? I'm just curious. I don't think I have what state this I, was in. I, I forget where it was, but I think that it's because it's a fetus and in, in a lot of places they might not consider it to be, I think there's some places that consider it to be equivalent to a human life, whereas some there's, there's a little bit of lesser laws, but the kid, the kid didn't die and he didn't really try to kill her because that drug, I, I don't know. I mean, he drugged someone without their knowledge and without their consent and that's that should be that should just be more than 180 days in itself giving her a drug that so the drug causes premature labor like it causes the cervix to so soften and then it induces uterine contractions um i i think he did plead guilty so what i'm thinking is that maybe it was like a plea deal kind of thing I just think even if it's a plea deal, this is really concerning. They have two other children that now have to live with the fact that their father poisoned their mother, essentially. And, and, and what happens when he's out of jail in six months? Like, 
that's it. I I would hope that he's losing custody of the kids. The wife has obviously filed for divorce. Um, but now it's like she has to deal with a child that has problems because of this douchebag. And it's not fair to her. It's not fair to the child that was born. And it's not fair to the siblings. And I, I just agree with her. I don't think that this is enough. Okay, get on to the next story. This is some lightheartedness we could, or a good story, a good result of a bad story. So a dad took his two daughters who were eight and two years old to get a car wash, you know, normal dad activities, nothing out of the ordinary. Um, After the car wash was done, he pulled away, but noticed that the water really hadn't dried off the car, so pulled over to finish wiping it down. Um, While the car was running, somebody had asked him for directions, and while he was talking to that person, he heard his car screeching away. The car had been stolen with the two kids inside of it. So what's cool about this story is that they, the guy that stole the car was asking the eight-year-old, like, where are the keys? Where are the keys? And she sat back, this brave little girl, and thought to herself, do I fight back or do I just keep calm for me and my sister? No, so well, he, sa- like, he said, she said that the dad had the keys and then she she thought, like, he the guy was like, get out of the car then. And then that's when yeah. she said... So she wasn't going to be combative about giving him the information and then the guy told her to get out of the car and she was like, I'm just going to wait and whatever. So eventually he abandoned the car with them both in it unharmed, thank goodness. And the father had left his cell phone in the car so his wife was able to track the whereabouts of the phone and they were able to safely find the kids. I think this was so cool of the sister at such a young age to be like, let me do what's best for me and my little sister and try to get out of the situation. I know you you always possible. read stories like this and think like god, I hope my kids would do something like this. <laughs> Lulu not be probably like, Lillian maybe. Yeah, not. Lillian would be like, yeah, peace out, dude. But um there's two interesting parts of this. Like number 1 is the key fob, right? So we most cars don't have keys that go into the ignition and you could just keep it in your pocket and start the car. So that's kind of interesting because I th- my car isn't like that. So if if you, I guess if you wanted to take mine, that's <laughs> there you go, right? So there's but an this open could invitation. this actually could have happened to you yesterday. Did, when, when did we go to the car wash yesterday? Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. I, How we almost became one of our own. Yeah, we did. Yesterday. We we got like stuck in the you know the thing that goes um yeah at the very end of the, the car wheel. wash <laughs> the buffer thing comes down to you know dry the windshield and um. <laughs> It just kept, it was happened. like, it was stuck and then it would like push the car back and then it yeah, went the forward thing, the, and it w- it seemed like it was stuck. The bar, I was explaining this to Ricky and he was not understanding what I was saying. The bar was stuck of the, the big machine in the car wash was stuck down. Like it would not lift up. So then we could drive out of the car wash because he was like, you could have just driven through it. I'm like, you don't understand. No, we, we were stuck. And, and that and my fear was that the thing was just going to crush the the windshield down like right into our lab. I wasn't worried about that. I was worried about the Jeep behind us. <laughs> that was that approaching us. was getting closer and closer. And I'm like, oh, my God, if this thing doesn't lift up. The car's going to hit us and then we're going to be jammed in between this Jeep yeah. and the thing. And the employees were not paying attention as we knew going into the car wash because your <laughs> car other, got stuck. Whole other situation. Whole other s- story. <laughs> I would hate to see video of us. In this I would hate to see yesterday. video of us anywhere because they're, they're, it's a clown show all the time. 
So we get, so I get, I turn around though and go in the parking lot and I leave the car on and Maria's in the phone texting while I'm drying the outside of my car off. Like somebody easily could have came in and kidnapped you. Well, I'm a 30 year old woman, so I think you would have, you would have probably not acted as good as this eight year old. I don't think I would have, which is a lot to say. All right. Let's get into some medical news. Our final airplane story, which is the most unbelievable of the three, if you can believe it or not. This flight was going from Thailand to Germany. So as these people were boarding the plane, this 63-year-old man gets on and people notice he's got like cold sweats and shortness of breath, which in the COVID day and age is like people are paying attention to stuff like this, right? So his wife said that they were running to catch the flight and that's why he was in a kerfuffle. So... A nurse was watching him and pulled a flight attendant aside and was like, I really think he needs to be seen by a doctor. He really doesn't seem okay. They call in the overhead for a doctor, and this doctor checks him out, checks his pulse, and is like, I think he's okay. Give him some chamomile tea. Oh, I know. It's like, it's that's the best part of the story is that a doctor's just like, yeah, oh, he has a pulse. Okay, he's fine. Yeah, so... So after that, the nurse is like, I don't think he's okay. I saw him splitting, spitting some blood into a bag. And they're like, you know what? We're going to take off anyway. Um. So what happens after that is they take off. And then shortly after taking off, not shockingly, but shockingly, he starts puking out, quote, liters of blood out of his mouth and nose. It's splattering all over the sides of the plane and on the floor. Obviously, people are okay. For about a half hour afterward, the flight attendant then starts performing CPR. Everybody's like, what is going on? And then over the loudspeaker, they say the passenger has died. Yeah. What what a weird flight, right? The nurse is probably like, yeah. Listen, this is the life of being a nurse or any person that's not a doctor that works in medicine because you're not taking like if if she was a doctor, they would have listened. But it's because she's a nurse. She doesn't know as much as the doctor. Right. And clearly he was a genius. So she's probably like, told you so. <laughs> and and yeah, but what a weird flight to to think that the that the pilot's going to be like, well, passengers, we we lost someone. What like what do they even say? How how weird is that? I don't know, but this this is even worse for me. So the flight records show that they left Bangkok around midnight. The, that's when the flight originally departed, and then they returned to Bangkok at eight a.m. That's eight hours later. Um, and then the passengers had to wait an additional two hours before they were rebooked on another flight, and their next flight had a layover. Oh like, God. you couldn't even have given them a direct flight. It, yeah, when this is, like, kind of all—well, it's not all your fault. You can't prevent—that's that's the thing. Like, humans are humans, and they're going to have things happen. So, of course, my first thing is, like, what, what caused this guy to start ble- bleeding liters out of his mouth? Yeah. And really— there's only like a couple things that would cause that to happen. So one, the wife saying that he's fine. There's a chance that he's he's very sick. He's been sick. You can get something called esophageal varices if you have cirrhosis of the liver. It's kind of like varicose veins around the bottom of your esophagus. And I'm actually, I'm starting to think that this is probably what it is. Because when they started ascending, I feel like one of those things could have ruptured. Because it, what happens oh. is the the vessels around the esophagus become really engorged, they and thinned out, 
and the slightest thing could cause it to burst. And when you have end-stage liver disease and you have cirrhosis, it also affects your clotting of your blood. So it's that the combination of the rupture of the varices along with the clotting factors that cause people, that's like a cause of death to just cause them to vomit large liters of, of like bright red blood. Other things could be um, if you have like a tumor in your neck and it's end stage, which I, I feel like he probably didn't have some crazy stage for head and neck cancer because people would have noticed that and he probably wouldn't even have been able to really walk around like that, but that could eat into like the carotid artery and cause blood to come out that way. And then another way is a, like from, do you remember the case in the book with the, that guy Riley that he bled all over like that in his bathroom? Yeah. Um, he had a bleeding ulcer. I think it was in the stomach um, or esophagus. I'm, I don't recall, but um, so yeah, so it could be like not many things cause that to happen. So I personally think it was probably from a ruptured varices and um i mean we'll never find out i'm sure but i just like to yeah i like to guess but geez could you there's so many things where you just think what what if i witnessed that in real life like what would what would you even do well we know i'd pass out immediately and then they made the lady go through customs after her husband died how how I know. Like, how long was the flight supposed to be? It was like one of those crazy long ones. I don't, I, I think it was around, I think it was supposed to be around like eight hours. So they turned the plane around? Yeah, they turned back? the plane around and went back to Thailand, which I was thinking, why wouldn't they just land at the closest airport? But I guess geographically, I'm not really sure. There, there had to be somewhere they could have landed faster. Yeah, I don't I don't understand. And I mean, really, it's it's kind of listen, it's it's fucked up to say this, but like the guy's dead. So what, why don't you just finish the flight at this point? You're not going to bring him to the hospital and try to save him. There there was nothing they could have done. I mean, was I guess the scene was that bad. They couldn't hide it from people or something. I, I mean. I, I'd be I'd be more traumatized having to go all the way back take a flight with a layover after that than I would just to stay on the plane for another couple hours and just deal with it. Well, maybe they were just like not wanting to deal with sending a body. Maybe the people were from Thailand and they were just not wanting to deal with sending the body back. I I don't know. I don't know what happened. I'm actually going to be writing last week in the grocery room. I wrote an article about shipping ashes because of that story we talked about last week. And this week I'm going to be writing one about shipping whole bodies oh that's after interesting death. yeah I, okay i'm looking forward to that one i actually had i had an autopsy once of a guy who died on va- vacation scuba diving and they had to send his body back to united states and i had to do the autopsy on him but he was uh, embalmed i feel oh, like wow. i feel like they make you embalm before you go on the plane but you'll find that out in your research next week yeah Okay, on to the surgical robot. Oh, the Da Vinci robot. In 2021, a 78-year-old woman was getting surgery to treat her colon cancer with the Da Vinci surgical robot, which is a four-armed machine activated by a doctor operating a camera and a surgeon steering the robot's arms and joystick, like a video game, right? That's exactly what it is, actually. So then the robot burned a hole in her small intestine, which injured her and eventually 
caused her death. I think so. I was trying to read this to try to figure out what happened, but I think they said that one of the one of the arms was defective and it was causing electrical shocks and, and causing burns essentially to happen to the patients. And they said that part of the lawsuit is that the doctors aren't trained to recognize like when that happens, even though there's been reports of it happening before. So they have the robot company hasn't made that like, hey, make sure you look out for this if this happens, because this could be this could be a problem. And it looks like the surgeons didn't realize that it singed her bowel and they closed her up. And then after she had the surgery, she started having severe abdominal pain and a fever, which to me means that her bowel perforated and her fecal material was getting inside of her abdominal cavity. And we know like inside of fecal material is bacteria and that could cause like a massive infection and kill somebody if it's not caught in time. Yeah, so her husband suing the company that created the machine saying that they failed to adequately warn of these risks and claiming it should have known of the risk from thousands of injuries and defective reports. So I don't I, I know. think I think it's justified honestly because if the if if I'm a surgeon and I'm per- performing this and I don't I'm not really aware of those risks how like how would how would you know to to look for it i'm not i'm not sure i mean i feel i don't really know how the machine works cuz obviously i've never done surgery but i'm curious that that wasn't apparent before they closed the person up that there was an injury to the bowel but i i don't know what that is supposed to look like okay so tell everybody about alaska pox hashtag i roll i'm so t- Dude, I'm so drained by the by all of this stuff they just try to do on the news. And they tried it with Mpox, formerly known as monkeypox, because we can't call it that anymore. So now the, the biggest thing this week is Alaska pox, right? This apparently it's in the, the same family as like monkeypox or Mpox and smallpox. It's just like it's it's chickenpox it's in, it's in a, a family that causes lesions that that are like pock marks um it was first discovered in alaska in 2015 and wait till you hear this staggering statistic since 2015 in alaska seven people have had it seven and one has recently died so now we have to scare the shit out of everyone that there's a new virus on the rise. Yeah, I mean, I think this is kind of a nothing burger at this point. Did, like, why is it even in the news? Because they learned... Scientists should know about it and should know what's happening, but I don't really feel this is information the public necessarily needs Listen, to know at this they point. they learn that if they scare the shit out of people... That's people click on those stories and that makes money. And that's what happens. It's it, the same thing was happening last year with the, the MPOC situation. It was trying to scare the shit out of people, trying to make it the next big thing. And it's not cool to do to people because you have physically handicapped people for life that are scared of of germs. It's It's just terrible that they're doing that. And it says it right in the article that th- that. This person that died is immunosuppressed and and it happened to seven people. Like, why are we even talking about that out loud? It's so ridiculous. I don't know. 
All right, this this is this is actually kind of my favorite story of the week. Okay, this couple, Brianna and William, had met through Facebook in April of 2020. In the fall of 2021, Brianna then moved into William's house. So in March 2022, Brianna, who is a transgender woman, had surgery to remove her testicles. She, after the surgery, kept the testicles in a mason jar inside of their fridge in their home. So I love how Maria just says that, like, like there, it's pickles in her fridge. Well, it's, it's a like fact. I'm reading it's this story. Te- it's testicle. Like you got your testicles cut off and put them in a mason jar in your refrigerator next to the eggs. I'm trying to use, <laughs> trying to use my best broadcaster personality about it. Okay. Anyway, they broke up in December of 2022, and Brianna moved out of the home. So. William felt that Brianna was harassing him and there was a protective order put in place to which Brianna violated and had been put in jail for a couple days and they only charged her a $100 fine, which to our last couple of weeks of talking about stalking, it's really nice that if somebody violates a protection order, they only get a $100 fine. Um, That's a topic for another day, I guess, even though we've been trying to drill it into your heads that there needs to be some reform with that. Um, so in tw- January of 2023, she had just gotten out of her couple-day jail stint and was escorted by a police officer into the couple's home, which was previously William's home, to collect her belongings. So when she went to get her belongings, she did not grab the testicles in the fridge. And in the meantime, William saw them and threw them out because who wants balls in their fridge? <laughs> who wants? Who wants any balls in their fridge, let alone their ex's balls in their fridge? So she demanded the immediate return of her, quote, human remains specimen in a handwritten affidavit and also wanted $6,500 in damages. But remember, he already threw them out. So then she put a lawsuit forward to William um, for discarding her surgically removed testicles, to which he countersued saying he wanted it dismissed because it was embarrassing because... <laughs> We are covering it, and it's getting worldwide coverage, and he's embarrassed by the whole situation. So the judge threw out the case, saying that Brianna had ample time to retrieve her testicles and did not do so. Um, To which, do you have the quote from this article? (laughs) We're talking about my nuts. I wanted them in my fridge, not his. Well, sweetheart, they could have been in your fridge if you just took inventory of your belongings and took them out when you had the chance. Exactly. What a mouthful all of this was. Um, all right. Other death news. Okay. So I another story that I cut last week just because there was really no information out at the time. And now there's more information out. And it, it leaves me even more confused. Um, a child that was going to some controversial therapeutic camp. Do you know what it was called? Um, I don't have the name of the camp. I, I know these camps exist, and that's kind of because Paris Hilton, that's what all of her documentaries and books have been about, and she's actually trying to get all this reform in D.C. to try to get these camps eradicated. Why did she go to one of these camps? Was she a bad Cause, kid or something? Because Kathy claims she was totally an animal, out of control, sneaking out in the middle of the night, hanging out with grown men. So what happens with these camps most of the time is they the parents set these meetings up and they will have the camp like essentially kidnap the troubled teen in the middle of the night which is traumatic and then send them there and they're really problematic because a lot of sexual assault occurs there and really violent abuse and 
the parents are always like, I didn't know because I called the school and they said everything was fine, which I'm feeling is the type of situation at this camp too. So basically a 12-year-old boy was sent to this camp for troubled youth in North Carolina and then less than 24 hours after being dropped off, he was found dead of a possible poisoning. So this is what's disturbing about it. When investigators got there, they said that he was His body was inside of a bunkhouse and it was positioned. And this is another thing. I don't like how this story is written. The body was positioned on its back. Like, no, this is a 12 year old boy. It's not an it. It's a it's a a human. Yeah. So and it and multiple times in the story referring to to this boy as it's. So that's gross. It is. I don't like that. So the body was positioned on it. He was positioned on his back with knees bent upward. And investigators noticed that the body was cold and stiff with possible bruising around the eye. But they noted that he was not wearing pants or underwear and it was next to his shoulder. So the investigators asked the camp counselors, like, why are his pants and underwear off? And they said they didn't know. So there's a lot of weird information about this. So first, the counselors who are being totally uncooperative, by the way, said that the boy was sleeping in a sleeping bag inside of a small tent, which was called a bivy. But the investigators are saying they found the body inside of the bunkhouse. So I don't know. I'm not as familiar with camp terminology. Are these the same things? A bunkhouse and a tent don't seem the same to me. So which is it? But basically, they're saying he was really irate when he arrived at the camp, which I would assume most kids are that go to these type of camps. Um, And he had had a panic attack around midnight. So they checked on him inside of the bivy at 3 a.m. and 6 a.m., but his dead body was found at 7.45 a.m. Yeah, something something's up with it, especially because they said that he had foam around his mouth when they found him. So I guess that's why they're saying a suspected poisoning, which it's totally possible that the kid took some kind of drugs and was having some kind of an, like an opioid reaction or overdose, um, but which is totally you could believe i mean even in a 12 year old the problem is is that why were his pants off and why were his underwear off why was he positioned like that that's it's so messed up i mean like another way that you would see foam around the mouth is if if a kid drowned but it didn't seem like there was any signs of that so he he went to the medical examiner's office And they said that it didn't look like it was natural, but of course they're pending toxicology results and other results. So I'm pretty sure that they're going to come back and say more about this because this is this is just weird. So the the place is called Trails Carolina. Actually, I had that later on in my notes. So yeah, this is this is really problematic for many reasons, but the counselors are absolutely refusing to cooperate with investigators. They won't talk to them about anything. They won't let the kids talk to them about anything who are potential witnesses, right? And then the camp's trying to say, quote, we are a mental health facility treating children with severe complex mental diagnoses. Not moving children from the area would be harm to their well-being. So they were getting criticized by investigators for moving all of the witnesses out of the area and then refusing to let investigators talk to the children. Yeah. So I do understand if you're dealing with really emotionally vulnerable children that you don't want to expose them to a crime scene or a potential crime scene or the scene of a death of one of their peers. But at the same time, you can't deny investigators trying to get to the bottom of this. Something's really fishy about it. 
and it's not the first death this camp has had. They had another death when a 17-year-old ran away and was found later dead from hypothermia in a stream. Wow. Yeah. Uh, so, I I just, I don't, I just don't understand what, what people think sending their kid. I mean, listen, like, I, you were like a blessing of a, of a teenager, but like, you. I wasn't. <laughs> so... My mom very well could have sent me there. Maybe. I don't know. It's just like I feel like there's other ways to to try to get someone straight. It's just you kind know, of messed up. You know, up. and like going back to Paris Hilton and everything, like she gets very criticized for her baby voice and everything, but she's admitted that she does that voice as just part of being this victim of trauma. Like she was raped at that school and beaten up and she told her parents and they were like, we think you're just really bad. And they didn't do anything about it. And Kat Von D actually went to one of these schools, too, and had a really similar experience. It's it's really scary because will we even know that these things happen if these celebrities weren't out there telling us about their Is it like a place for rich kids? Is this something I, that like normal? Because it's like we live in well, the burbs. I've never heard of some shit like that. Yeah, I assume it's it costs a lot of money because it's essentially like a boarding school type yeah. of thing. But yeah, it seems like quote out of control rich children get sent to these places and then it's absolutely horrific experience so paris hilton's really working in dc to try to get laws put in place that these schools can't exist anymore yeah it's not it's weird and i mean after hearing this i kind of am like why do that? yeah exactly okay this this is a very interesting story this story comes out of india so it's not typically how we would handle things when somebody is sick or dying, but do you want to explain what happened? A 52-year-old woman reportedly made a startling return to consciousness moments before she was to be cremated. So she was in her residence on February 1st in a fire that left burns across her body. She was considered in critical condition for the days and weeks to follow. Um, Eventually, after a while, she stopped showing signs of consciousness, but her family had a lot of financial constraints, so they just stopped seeking medical attention and assumed she was dead and started planning her funeral. So as she was about to be cremated, she started showing signs of life. Um, so so this woman almost dies in a fire, and then she's almost burned alive getting cremated. That's, yeah. That's, that's crazy. I loved how this article closed out. It said... In a swift response to the bewildering situation, the hearse driver who, t- who took her to the crematorium returned her home very much alive. <laughs> so, it, and like wow. no other details, like, did, well, is she still alive? Is like, what what happened? Did she die two because minutes we later? Did talk, didn't we talk about a story yeah, that, almost a year ago where a woman was about to be cremated and sh- showed signs of life? No, she then, was just brought down into the morgue in a body bag, okay. but she was yeah, still alive. Then, but then she died, like, right after. Then she did die. Yeah. yeah, that's why I was like, could we get the rest of the story? All right, this... Wh- what's this next one? Another oh ridiculous... God. I do find this to be ridiculous. It's kind of a stretch. An Idaho state representative named Heather Scott wants to build out the state's law against cannibalism over fears that composting of human remains could lead to humans consuming other humans. I have this whole theory about the government. It's kind of like my last hospital job I worked at. There's all these glaringly huge problems that need to be addressed, but the management of the hospital or of the country decide that like they're going to take on these little stupid things that they feel like they could 
put forth these things and then get them passed and they could act like they're actually doing something. Like, look around what's going on in this country right now. You're worried about this. This is what our lawmakers and my tax dollars are paying for is someone to worry about if you do human composting that people will accidentally ingest human remains. It's like, can you actually do something that's that's useful for us right now? So Idaho is the only state currently that outlaws cannibalism. I guess it's just frowned upon in the rest of our 49 states. Um, but human composting is still legal because it's considered more eco-friendly than, um, than doing cremation. So they're saying that basically it's harder for this lady to go against the composting laws than it is to expand the cannibalism laws but it just kind of it's a it's a waste of fucking time that's what it is like do something else just so she proposed a bill that would make it illegal to serve quote the flesh and blood of another human being to someone that does not know or consent to it like duh (laughs) like cannibalism's already in your state you're trying to make this stretch with the human compost it's just this is, it's seriously like this is this is what all the managers at my last hospital would do they would just sit around and create problems that that don't even exist instead of addressing major ones like it's it's just it's so outrageous to me it it really is okay. but we're going to end on a kind of a sweet note a catholic former dutch prime minister has died by euthanasia hand-in-hand with his wife, both at 93 years old. It's called duo-euthanasia. Oh, duo-euthanasia. So explain it for everybody. I guess in the Netherlands, it's it's legal, and it's becoming increasingly popular for couples to be doing this together. And it looks like the 26 people got it done originally when they were allowed to start doing it, and then every year it increased. So then, then the next year, it was 32 couples were allowed to do it and then 58 couples so it's it's gradually increasing as a as couples get older and maybe one of them is is i guess do they both have to be really sick or you are allowed to just do it if you want to do it like if you're like let's say for example gabe and i are like no it says independent wish for death yeah so 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 if you're in your 90s and like one of us has terminal cancer like we could just go and be like hey could we just check out at the same time kind of thing yeah it says euthanasia and assisted suicide have been legal in the netherlands since 2002 for six conditions including unbearable suffering no prospect of relief and long-held independent wish for death and then a second specialist must confirm the wish and then most cases are carried out by a family doctor in your home. It's interesting. We just wrote about broken hearts this week for Valentine's Day for our high-profile deaths. And it it happens that a lot of times couples die within, they say, three months is the, is the average time. But within a year of couples dying together at the same time, and we've wrote multiple different examples of that. And... So dying from a broken heart is is a real thing. And maybe this isn't such a bad idea because it seems like a lot of times, especially these older couples that have been together a majority of their life, when their partner dies, they just have a rapid decline afterwards. And the the sadness is just too much. And maybe it is a good idea to be able to do this if you so choose to do it. Okay, on to question of the day. 
Every Friday on the at Mother Knows Death Instagram, we add a little question box on our story so you guys can ask whatever you want. We've done questions of all different kinds, so we really accept most of them. This week, our first question is, what kind of music do we each listen to? I... I don't really don't I listen. don't listen I don't really like music. If I were to choose, it would be stuff that was older. Um like I'm talking prior to 1990 and but I don't really listen to music. I find that it gives me anxiety. I know that that sounds really weird, but it's just I have like a thing with noise, so I don't listen to music that much. Um but against my will, I listen to Taylor Swift all the time, and it's it, it like drives me nuts. The songs are stuck in my head. I don't want them in my head. I don't I don't hate her, but I don't I don't like it either. <laughs> um, so that's what my kids are really into right now. This uh, Olivia Rodrigo girl, like go down the list of everything that kids this age like. So that's what's been playing in my house lately. <laughs> Yeah, I am kind of all over the place. Like as a teenager, early twenties, I was really into emo hardcore. So My Chemical fr- Romance. I do love My Chemical Romance, but only like the first two albums really. Um, because that was in my prime. But um like Thursday and Jawbreaker. I, I really love Jawbreaker because Gabe I li- first introduced I like Jawbreaker. Jawbreaker. I love Jawbreaker, yeah. I like Um them. I really love Jawbreaker. In my elder years, I'm starting to like more calm music. I really, really, really love Jason Isbell, um, Casey Musgraves' new album I'm really into right now, or the new one coming out. I really love Beyonce too, Shocking. <laughs> Everybody was so surprised when I went to her concert. I'm like, I have always loved her. I, I really love her music a lot. So I'm kind of probably because I used to play Destiny's Child when, when you were a little kid or something. Yeah. And then like, my I have different playlists for different moods I'm in. Like I have more like seventies disco songs I like, and then I have my everyday go not everyday because I mostly listen to podcasts. But my go to is I have like a retro country um, album that I listen to a lot, and I really like Band of Horses a lot, which I know you like. Yeah, too. I I could like I if I'm in the car by myself, I'm going to listen to a podcast. I'm not going to listen to music, but there's some, that's how I feel too. Like sometimes if, especially when we take road trips and stuff, we'll put on, we'll put on some music and listen to it on the way there. And it's usually, it's usually just like older stuff, not, and then when Ricky comes over when we're swimming in the summer, what do I always say? Like, don't put Bob, what is, don't put Bob, Bob Seger on. Like one time we're in the pool and I'm like, I don't know, just like put on some co- cool music. He had like on the OJs and stuff. It was like really awesome. And then he like throws in a Bob Seger song. And I was just like, dude, don't ever put this on the playlist again. It's like ruining the mood back here. I know. He threw a couple of those on for you at Christmas time too, I know. <laughs> like you're torturing her. Okay, next. Nicole, are you still working as a PA now or does the website slash podcast keep you busy? So, no, I don't work as a full-time PA anymore. I haven't for some time, actually. But I do work as a part, like a per diem PA sometimes to do autopsies. So I have been keeping my hand in it a little bit. But yes, this definitely takes up all of my time and more. Yeah, this is this situation's a full-time job for the both yeah, of us. I know so. it doesn't I know it doesn't look like much, but there's a lot that we have to do behind the scenes of because we run everything together, technical aspects of that well, Maria does a lot of that really, but um just the website and it's just there there's just a lot 
going on. I'm with the it. stage mom, and she's the performers. <laughs> how do you feel? Auto- how important do you feel autopsy is for the PA profession slash PA programs? Oh, I think it's incredibly important. I think that really the only way that you can learn anything about surgical pathology is you have to do autopsies and you have to see all the organs together and how they work together. So when you get an organ in surgical pathology, you can visualize exactly where it came out of the body. It's not anything you're really going to pick up in, like everyone has to take gross anatomy in PA school, um, but you're usually taking that when you're a student and you're not working and then there's this lapse of time And when you do autopsy in between doing surgical pathology, especially, I feel like it just keeps your mind fresh all the time so you can really orient organs. Because think about this, like when you do an autopsy, you see all of the organs together in the body and it makes sense. But then when you get an organ in surgical pathology, it's just taken out. And sometimes if there's a tumor in it or there's some kind of pathology going on, You can't even tell like which way is up, what the hell is going on here because it's so distorted. And when you have a really good background in anatomy, you can figure out anything. So I think autopsies are like, I know some people have a theory like once you've seen one, you've seen them all and it's just not true. You just just have such a more well-rounded education when you do a lot of autopsies. That's my personal school of thought. All right, guys. Thank you so much. Thanks. Um, Hope you enjoyed this episode and we will see you next week. See you next week. Thank you for listening to Mother Knows Death. As a reminder, my training is as a pathologist assistant. I have a master's level education and specialize in anatomy and pathology education. I am not a doctor and I have not diagnosed or treated anyone dead or alive without the assistance of a licensed medical doctor. This show, my website, and social media accounts are designed to educate and inform people based on my experience working in pathology so they can make healthier decisions regarding their life and well-being. Always remember that science is changing every day and the opinions expressed in this episode are based on my knowledge of those subjects at the time of publication. If you are having a medical problem, have a medical question, or are having a medical emergency, please contact your physician or visit an urgent care center, emergency room, or hospital. Please rate, review, and subscribe to Mother Knows Death on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, or anywhere you get podcasts. Thanks. Thanks.